0: are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a Thursday, January 10th. Edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host Eric Garcia Gunderson, writer and editor at LeBron Wire, also a contributor at the Associated Press and former Blazer beat writer at the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back to the show. It is a Thursday, like I said, January 10th, and the Blazers had a game last night. Another game that they had on the schedule that it looked like should have been a win. And once again, the Trailblazers take care of business to kind of keep pace with everybody else in the Western Conference and even gain a little bit of ground on some teams last night with their 124-112 win over the lowly Chicago Bulls, who fall to 10 and 31. Portland improves to 25 and 17 in the 42nd game of the season, officially crossing the halfway mark of the season. CJ McCollum leading the Blazers with 24 points, one of his most efficient games of the season. And Damian Lillard with 16 points and 10 assists. Dame with nine or more assists. For the third straight game, he's had eight or more in the last four. Both of those are tied for his second longest such streaks as an NBA player. So, uh, Lillard getting guys more involved uh, as of late, and that has been ultimately a good thing. Uh, or he, he has done those in, done that in wins for the Trailblazers. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a good thing that Dame is taking less shots, but I do think that right now in the in the throes of the season where you need to rely on lots of different guys to get you through this 82 game gauntlet, it's I think it's a nice thing for him to have on his side. And I think that he is probably pretty okay with it, especially because they're winning so many games and they're they're keeping pace and they're right. You know where they need to be to be the team that they want to be you know a higher seeded team a team that can go deep into the playoffs and and win a playoff game win a round uh they they have to probably be in 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 the mid tier you know they're not going to be able to face golden state and get through it so uh portland Wins 124 112 over the Bulls. As I mentioned, uh, CJ McCollum had 24 points. Yusuf Nurkic with a pretty solid game 18 points and eight rebounds. It, it, almost a, a ho hum performance for him, which is reflective more of how great he's been over the past few weeks is just, you know, he had 18-8, and and it was like nothing happened, really. And uh, obviously, you know, you don't want to take those performances for granted and and, and all that, but uh, he has, as of late, made this type of performance a very regular and consistent thing, and uh, he he did it again last night against a pretty talented group of of Bulls big men, I got to say. Wendell Carter Jr., I really like his game. He had a nice game with 22 points. And six rebounds. I also really like Laurie Markinen who defensively not obviously the, the the biggest, most feared guy, but really a, a tough matchup offensively for the Blazers. But Nurk, you know, in situations against Wendell Carter, you know, really making him work, and 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 Nurkic still getting to his spots, still making his moves, and uh, you know, showing that he's one of the best centers in the league right now, and he he really has been that guy, and. Truthfully, altogether last night, it was a great effort from Portland's bigs. Yusuf Nurkic, I already mentioned his game, but Zach Collins having one of his better games in the last couple of months with 16 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, also a block and a steal on six of nine shooting he found out of the game, which seems to be the only seems to be his biggest Achilles heel. Even when he was playing really well at the beginning of the season, fouls for Collins were a problem. Sometimes that happens when you're a young big. Uh, sometimes you, know, you you go for things, you're maybe a little too aggressive, and I think that's going to work itself out. The fact that Collins can be in the right spots, knows where to be, and also offensively seems to be evolving more and more, that I think it, it is fine, and, and I don't think it's anything to worry about. Obviously, Collins himself was very angry with himself last night he's actually really been I remember one of the first games I covered earlier the season where Collins picked up a bunch of fouls and found out that he was disappointed in his fouling because he's just fouling too much and he wants to stay on the court and help the team last night he got pretty mad on the bench CJ McCollum trying to get him to to meditate on it do some deep breathing on the bench you know, maybe, you know, maybe get a little uh, CJ's yoga practice incorporated into his uh, routine. But Collins was was furious. But that's also one of the things that makes Collins that it's one of the things I love about his makeup as a player is that he has that that passion that, uh, you know, a little bit of anger, a little bit of rage that. He wants to be better he wants to be does it you know he had one of his best games of the year and he was still mad about it after the game and while you know that's not healthy all the time to, to, to be that mad at yourself and all that but I do think it means something it, it indicates something about his makeup that I like to see from from basketball players that he's he's relentless that he really wants to get better and that he really Believes that he can be better, and that's why I think he was really mad at himself last night for picking up that cheap foul in a time where he could have played a little bit more and and, and had some more minutes and, and racked up some more stats. You know, you know that's not the only reason because he's also been mad about fouling out in actual important situations. So sure, it was a great meme. Everyone's making fun of him, but uh, I like I like how serious Collins is about that type of stuff and. It just shows, you know, how badly he wants to be good and not only good, but, you know, very good to great. And so I think that's one of the reasons why the Blazers really like Zach Collins a lot, too, is that makeup and that he's, you know, he's from North Vegas, man. The dude is just you know he, he he's got a chip on his shoulder and and he wants to prove himself and and prove to himself. So uh, I I kind of liked seeing that reaction from Zach Collins last night. And then Myers Leonard an, another solid game four for four from the field. He continues to play efficient basketball off the bench. He had a lot of dunks last night and and was really. Attacking the rim last night more than usual. He didn't take any three-pointers and this is again um, something that I've talked about on this show before that to me it's it's an evolution of Myers's game that he's able to make an impact on the game now without making three-pointers which was just not the case for a few years there. It really was. I mean, and and frankly, you know, for the majority of his career. I think earlier in his career when he was a rookie, we saw more dunks. We saw more things like that. But he, you know, got really good at the three-point shot maybe was relying on it a little too much. Now he's really balancing out his game. And, again, being a helpful contributor to this team when he's not making his shots. And then another guy who continues to just – Light it up for the Blazers off the bench. Seth Curry with another very, very good game. He had 17 points off the bench on 7 of 11, shooting 3 of 5 from 3. The guy can just – he's automatic from 3. I think should be in consideration at the very least for the 3-point shootout. I mean, he he gets threes up. He makes them. I know he's not uh, – the, 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 the NBA three-point shootout has now become the star-studded event of All-Star Weekend, but I think it would be fun for Seth Curry to be there. He's from Charlotte, just like his brother Steph. Maybe you get a little Curry brothers action in the three-point shootout. I think they should let Steph sh- or let Seth shoot. CJ's been in it. Dame's been in it. They probably don't want to be in it, but maybe they do. Um, I don't think CJ shot the ball well enough to be considered this year. Uh, so I, th- I say I say the I say Seth Curry. Seth Curry for the three-point shootout. Let let Seth shoot. Let the Curry family kind of have a moment in Charlotte, which I think would be great. His obviously Dell Curry is a is a former NBA player and also an announcer for the Charlotte Hornets. So I think uh, the NBA. I think should pull some strings here And also, it's completely merited Because Seth Curry is the best Three-point shooter in the NBA this year So uh, that's something I would like to see At All-Star Weekend Have Seth Curry joining Damian Lillard Who am I, I assume is going to be An All-Star, absolutely should be I hope we're done With the Dame getting snubbed thing Uh even though the, the all-star votes came out today, and he, he was sixth in the guard voting. But uh, the Blazers get another win. Jake Lehman gets the start again as Mo Harkless continues to, to rest that knee. And I think it's going to be a little while, maybe the rest of this homestand, to let him get some real, real time off. And I just think it's going to be something that they're going to manage all year, as I've said you know a couple times on this podcast. But uh, the Blazers get the win, 124-112. And we're going to take one quick break here. On Lockdown Blazers, we'll be back with more Blazers talk when we come back. Hello and welcome back to the show. And as we were recording this, we got some news. It was an injury update from the Blazers. And I was just talking about Seth Curry making a case for the three-point shootout. He might get a little extra playing time tomorrow when they face the same Charlotte Horn- the Charlotte Hornets that his dad uh, announces for. As Damian Lillard is listed as questionable with a left elbow sprain. That's a, an update from Casey Holdall of the Blazers. And Mo Harkless, as I suspected before we hit the break, out for that game as well. So uh, they're going to continue to mend Harkless, hopefully, and, and, and get him healthy. But obviously, it's, all, it's not great that he's had this recurring knee soreness all season long it's great that when he's played and he's been out there and he he looks and feels good and, and that's important, but it's also a little concerning to know that that pain hasn't gone away, that that soreness is still there. And I do wonder what that would mean for his season. Uh, You know, obviously we hope that, He's, he's able to come back and play from time to time and, and, and things like that. But, you know, you, you don't want to risk any other injuries if he's playing on a bad knee. And part of me is wondering a little bit if there is another potential surgery on the table for him. Uh, obviously, that's a little too far into the future. And I don't think, you know, I'm not... Saying that I have sources close to Harkless or anything that are that he's considering that, but just you know, I've I've covered the league for a while now. This is my this is my like ninth year blogging about it, and I've covered it firsthand for like, seven years. So I feel like I know what I'm talking about. And usually things like this don't don't get better, really. Like, and this is just. Completely anecdotal and analyzing these things, but you know I, these t- things, especially just like a sore knee like that. I don't feel like those things typically get better over the course of the season. Uh, you know, maybe there, there's a, some fluid or whatever, or maybe a PRP injection that he can get, something like that, where they they kind of get that platelet-rich you know plasma therapy. Who knows? Maybe he's even had one and we just don't know it. Uh, but I, I, I do think that. There's gonna be, there has to be some other things on the table because, as as admirable as Harkless's effort and and grit to really play through this injury has been, you have to wonder from both the perspective of the Blazers in him being a long-term investment through the end of next year and Harkless and Sel- Harkless and his team of people you know, looking at this with a little bit more of a long view. And now, uh, and it's been unfortunate because, you know, this is more of a health situation, which really hasn't been a, a you know, last year it was a, an issue for Harkless, but really over the course of a career, he's had problems with inconsistency throughout the year, even when he was healthy. And now the times when he's healthy, he plays well, but then he can't stay on the court and it's just, I can't imagine that it's you know it, it's got to be really frustrating for him right now, and so uh, obviously feel for Mo Harkless, hope that he you know gets better, but I would not be surprised if there was something on the horizon that we don't see yet, whether it's some kind of procedure, some kind of injection, uh, something to to really try and help that knee get healthy because it has been a trouble spot for him all year and it's really been you know kind of frustrating I think for him for Terry Stotts for the whole team to not be able to have a guy that has been such a big part of this team over the past few years and and really just not being able to ever anticipate that he's going to be available so uh Harkless is out for Friday's game against the Charlotte Hornets and Dame is questionable. Uh, Dame has been, you know, doing a lot lately. He's been setting the table more. Perhaps this elbow injury is somewhat related to his his maybe not taking as many shots, maybe not attacking the rim as much. Uh, you know, maybe that could be part of why he's kind of taking a little bit of a back seat in the offense and really taking it upon himself to set everybody else up, you know, maybe. And also we're, we're halfway through the season now. Dane's played in every game and it wouldn't be a shock for him to get a rest here at home while they wrap up this homestand and take advantage of the fact that they have some days to, to get right because they're going to hit the road. They're going to play on MLK. They're going to be – it's a long season, and and I know the All Star break is coming up, but the Blazers really, uh, you know, they can't take any chances. They also have a huge game on Sunday against the Nuggets, who that was a, a classic game the other night. And although Portland would love to get a for sure win against Charlotte, I think they have enough talent to beat the Hornets. At home, even without Dame, uh, especially with the way Nurkic has been playing, and even CJ to an extent has also been playing better, and and then Seth Curry has obviously given the Blazers a big lift with his creation in the pick and roll, his three point shooting, his scoring. So, uh, if there was a game, you know, between now and and the weekend for Dame to take off. You know, that's it. So, uh, the Blazers hit a two-game road trip here over the weekend. They're going to Denver. Then they're at Sacramento. And then they come back home for a very brief, brief time before they head back out on the road where they'll face the Utah Jazz on Martin Luther King Jr. Day as part of the NBA's, uh, you know, massive schedule of, of Martin Luther King Jr. Day games. So, uh I would not be surprised given obviously the injury questionable means it's 50-50. So uh, those are the chances that that Dame will play or not play. And uh, given the schedule of the next couple of days, you have two tough Western Conference teams on the road, and it's a back-to-back. Uh, that you know, this this right now seems like the time to give Dame a real rest period. Uh, between now and Sunday's game and the Monday end of that back-to-back to to really get right and, and just recuperate a little bit before those final three to four weeks ahead of All-Star Weekend. So, uh, which for guys like Dame is not really a break, it should be said. So, uh Right now actually might be a very good time for Dame to get a little bit of rest and uh, let, let the, the supporting cast kind of give it their best shot against the Charlotte Hornets tomorrow night. So we're going to take one quick break, and we're going to discuss what to expect when those Charlotte Hornets come to town. We've got some old friends over there in Charlotte, so we'll talk about them and what to expect from the folks in Buzz City. And we're back here for our final segment of today's Thursday Locked on Blazers. And it is a look at Portland's opponent tomorrow night, the Charlotte Hornets, who come into Portland with a 19-21 record, good for 8th place. In the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference, excuse me, Uh, they're in their first year under head coach James Borrego, and they have a new GM over there as well, Mitch Kupchak, who you may remember from his days running the Lake Show uh, down south, and he's a North Carolina grad, as is the owner of the Charlotte Hornets, Michael Jordan. So uh, there's a, a Tar Heel connection there. And the number one guy to worry about on this Hornets team and the number one guy that the Blazers have to corral and try and slow down is Kemba Walker, who is averaging 25 points a game, six assists as well. He's shooting over almost nine three-point attempts per game. Obviously, it's not, it's not James Harden numbers or anything, but it's very, very fierce. He's very, very talented, and he will... You know, he is... You know, a, a threat to go off on you. He's having, you know, a very good season. Another guy to worry about for them is Jeremy Lamb, who's who's kind of having a breakout year uh, by his standards, averaging 15 points a game. He's in a starting role and uh, really, uh, you know, evolving in his game and, and becoming a scorer that I think a lot of people thought he was going to be when he came out of UConn as a, a college player, and then also. I mentioned old friends before we went to the break, Nicholas Batum, who, according to reports, the Hornets are intent on trying to trade uh, because of his very large contract, which the Blazers did not want to pay, which was part of, if not the biggest reason, that they traded Batum in addition to the fact that LaMarcus Aldridge was leaving. But uh, Batum... Make, makes a lot of money. He is still kind of the maddening, sometimes maddening player. Uh, he's averaging nine points a game, five rebounds, and just a hair under four assists. He is shooting 39% from three, which is a uh, very good mark. But uh, getting paid what he's paid, obviously, is not uh, what the Hornets wish they had to deal with and why they try, they're trying to move him so they can... Build a a team around uh, around Kemba Walker and, and presumably Jeremy Lamb, who has supplanted Batum as the number two guy in the pecking order for the. Charlotte Hornets uh some other guys to to watch out for Miles Bridges is a rookie I I really like his game he can play the forward he can be a little bit of a stretch five he's a big reason why Frank Kaminsky doesn't play and uh Frank Kaminsky is a guy that a lot of teams have tried to inquire about to trade for since he's not playing but the Hornets are telling teams that they want to attach Batum to any Kaminsky deal so uh Bridges has supplanted Kaminsky. Kaminsky is a is a pretty good player, but Bridges is is just a little bit more fierce, a much better defender, a guy that can protect the rim a, l- a little bit as well. And then Cody Zeller, very good mobile five man. Uh, I think I don't think he's going to be able to guard Nurkish though, and that's and that's one of the things we've seen with a lot of these teams that have more mobile, slight. Centers who are more able to switch in the pick and roll, a little bit skinnier, can run the floor, you know, things like that. Those guys have a really tough time against Nurk. And I don't think that Cody Zeller, as as good as he is with his instincts defensively, he's a good defender. I don't think he can handle Nurkic's you know load down in the post. So uh, that is something to watch. Uh, One thing I think the Hornets will do is, is play small to try and. Mess with Portland a little bit, so maybe try and get Nurkic off the floor by doing some lineups like Michael Kidd-Grillcrest at center, which they have done from time to time this season. So maybe that's a move that Coach Borrego goes to to try and counteract Portland's big men, which... As we mentioned, against Chicago was a real big strength and uh, for the most part has been uh, a point of strength for the Blazers this season. Uh, another guy who you might not expect to see on the Hornets is Tony Parker. He signed a deal with them in the offseason. He's their backup point guard and will also occasionally play in the fourth quarter of games alongside Kemba Walker when the the— the Hornets need a little bit more of a steadying hand, so uh, Parker kind of playing a you know Mo Williams in twenty fourteen role for the, uh, which is weird to say because Tony Parker's a Hall of Famer and all that, but uh, at thirty six years old, that's the point in his career that he's at. So uh, that's the kind of scouting report for you and the Charlotte Hornets. We are going to be back with another episode before tomorrow's game. Going to have Jason Quick on the podcast as he come. He will join us every week here on Lockdown Blazers. So really excited for that. So subscribe, leave us a review, and we'll be back tomorrow with Jason on Friday. So until then.